0: And welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age, beginning with the Twilight Zone. But in honor of Black Mirror's latest season, I'm covering each episode of Charlie Brooker's technophobic uh, sci-fi anthology series in this bonus episode series. You can find more of Anthology at anthologypod.com, and if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. You can tweet me at obsessiveviewer. You can send an email to matt at obsessiveviewer.com, or call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that would be to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews I get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results, and it helps me climb the very competitive TV and film rankings on iTunes. If you're feeling particularly generous and want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the Donate button on AnthologyPod.com or the Donate link in the show notes of this episode. Any and all donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running and is incredibly appreciated. So today on the podcast, I'm going to be discussing Nosedive. It's the first episode of Black Mirror's third season that premiered on Netflix on October 21st, 2016. And I am super excited about this. Um, I have a tendency to basically want to rewatch things before the new season comes out and Part of the reason why I wanted to do these bonus episodes of Black Mirror was to give me an excuse to go back and watch the first couple seasons worth of episodes. Um, And then I didn't really uh, anticipate, you know, me being busy with Shocktober and Irvington and with Heartland Film Festival and a bunch of stuff. So it got kind of hairy in that I was really um, eager to watch the new episodes, but it was a couple weeks after they premiered and I hadn't been able to watch them yet because I hadn't finished my bonus reviews yet or my, yeah, my reviews of seasons one and two. But I persevered and I watched the new season and now I'm ready to do um, my bonus reviews for them. So I'm excited to get on uh, get on with it. And a quick note, I, I'm changing it up slightly from, from past uh, bonus episodes. Um, usually I read a full plot description that details every like little detail of the plot uh, to give listeners a chance to reorient themselves with the different plot points in the episode. But um if you heard my last episode, my last bonus episode, um for uh White Christmas, that was such a long long plot summary. So since these episodes are new and and people are coming to this coming to this uh bonus uh review series fresh off of seeing it, I'm just going to go ahead and for season 3 and probably going forward any bonus bonus episodes I do in the future, I'll probably I think I'm just going to kick off the reviews with um, the plot summary from uh, either Netflix or IMDb. So while the plot summary won't be spoiler-filled, the review will be. So going forward in this episode, if you haven't seen Nosedive yet, uh, make sure you uh, stop listening and go watch it on Netflix and come back and hear my review of it. So I'm going to start off with the, uh, the plot summary. Uh, it says, in a future entirely controlled by how people evaluate others on social media, a girl is trying to keep her score high while preparing for her oldest childhood friend's wedding. See, so much quicker. (laughs) Um, uh, this episode stars Bryce Dallas Howard as Lacey Pound. Um, she's of course the daughter of Ron Howard, and she was recently in Jurassic World. And as Naomi is Alice Eve. Who I'm I'm a big fan of. She was in, um, let's see, she was in Men in Black Three, Star Trek Into Darkness, and I personally thought she was pretty good in She's Out of My League. And before we go, the uh, Chris Evans directed um, kind of indie romantic drama comedy. And then, kind of rounding out the cast here is Cherry Jones as the truck driver. Um, she previously worked with Bryce Dallas Howard in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, and she recently played Lee Harvey Oswald's mother in 112263, um the Hulu event series based on Stephen King's novel, uh, which I covered in an episode of Obsessive Viewer. That I'll put a link to in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out. And she was also in the TV shows uh, 24 and um, Awake. A brief one season show with some, uh, interesting science fiction concepts it played with. Now, the writers for this episode are, were kind of surprising because I, I don't really keep up with the news that much because I want to go in, um, I want to go in pretty fresh with, with these episodes. Um, especially with the show that I adore as much as I do Black Mirror. I kind of want to go in as fresh as possible. So when they did the plot descriptions, the episode titles, all that, I I kind of steered away, didn't pay too close attention. So I was surprised to find out that uh, the writers for Nosedive were Rashida Jones and Michael Schur. Uh, Rashida Jones, of course, is an actress. Um, And Michael Schur uh, uh, worked on Parks and Recreation, The Office, um, both in front of and behind the camera. He was... uh, in the, in the shows or in the office, he was, he played Moe's Dwight's, uh, Dwight's, um, brother or cousin, I'm sorry, cousin, um, in the office. So it's, uh, that was kind of surprising. And of course they both worked together on Parks and Rec. And I know that Rashida Jones is supposed to be, uh, writing, uh, Toy Story 4, um, as a rom-com no less. Uh, director for this episode is Joe Wright, who previously directed uh, movies such as Hannah, Pan, uh, Pride and Prejudice, and Atonement. Um, Atonement, in particular, I'm really fond of. Um, I need to revisit it, but I, I really like it. Just the technical, the beauty of the film is is really comes across really well. So at this time with this episode, I have been. I've, I've watched this episode twice. Um, I was so anxious to get to season three that I basically decided that like with, with my twilight zone reviews on anthology, I will watch, watch the episode once and take notes during it. But I was so anxious and ready to watch the season of black mirror that I just decided, okay, I'm going to do a pass of the, a pass of the season watch each episode don't take notes just sit back and enjoy it and then uh and then I'll take notes and plan my reviews on my second viewing so my first viewing of this episode was on October 30th and my my initial thoughts on it because I jotted down my thoughts after it ended was that a um you can really see the Netflix money in this episode <laughs> and I thought that that bodeed pretty uh, that that pretty well um and obviously the immediate – I mean the immediate, immediate comparison. And I, I know that if you have been watching or looking for Black Mirror reviews, everyone is going to be drawing this comparison. But it reminded me so much of um, the Meow Meow Beans episode of Community, uh, season five, episode eight, app development and condiment uh, something – and initially that made me very excited for it because one of the reasons why I love that episode of Community, um for those who don't know, Community is a freaking brilliant comedy series from Dan Harmon that oftentimes uh, would have special episodes that were kind of centered around – certain genres like they did uh paintball episodes that took the took the form of action movies and um like a star wars type of type of uh story and uh spaghetti westerns and it played with certain conventions in those different genres and in season five episode eight they did an episode that played with dystopian like dystopian futures and uh controlled totalitarian governments and, and things all within all within the setting of a community college school campus. And what I loved about it was it, it took like kind of a seventies aesthetic uh, to the set of it. So it was kind of Logan's Logan's runnish. And so so I latched on to that episode and and I mean it's great. It's essentially the same concept as this. There's an app that people rate people on and it, and that creates this class system within the school. So being such a fan of that episode going into Nosedive, I was not. I, I think that first viewing, I was pretty harsh. Um, harsh in my criticisms, criticisms, uh, criticisms of it, or I just was too focused on the comparisons to community. Um, I mean, tonally, they don't resemble each other at all, but it's just interesting that two shows came up with the same story. So anyway, so Nosedive. While it does have some very interesting statements to make about social media and how we use our internet presence to evaluate our self, self worth and our opinions of others and how our, how others' opinions of us mean more to us than, um, our happiness and, and things like that. Um, that initial viewing, I thought that if the episode itself felt a little incomplete, it didn't seem to really track that well for me. So. That's what I thought initially with my first viewing, but I'll go into my full review now so you can kind of get a good sense of where I was um, mentally when I, when I watched it a second time, I guess. So right off the bat, we see Bryce Dallas Howard jogging and playing with her phone. And just immediately, my initial thought this entire episode, uh, one of my, this is one of my most anticipated shows um, in a while, And my immediate thought was I love the music, um, the music by Max Richter. Um, he did the score for this episode. It reminds me a lot of Michael, uh, Michael G Aquino's work, uh, in Lost, um, which I was a massive fan of Lost, still am. But this, the music in this episode seems a little bit more moody and, uh, Atmospheric. It, it complements the atmosphere of the episode really well, and we kind of get a good introduction to this world that's kind of um, under the control of social media rankings and, and everything. And it's that's depicted really well in the scene early on where Bryce Dallas Howard's character is is standing in the bathroom in front of her mirror. She's practicing her smiling and laughing, and it's really. Uh, kind of disturbing because it's it's the way that she plays it and the way that a lot of the characters who kind of who she meets with and exchanges her pleasantries with um, the way that everyone plays it is this it's like the fake pleasantry that you give people not not that's assuming that everyone is like super fake to everyone that they know and that's not really fair but the kind of like you know someone if if you're passing by someone that you know or an acquaintance and you say, "Hey, how's it going?" and they say, "Oh it's going well, how are you?" and then you say, "Oh I'm good like those interactions um, you're not really asking how they're really doing um, because it's just in passing so it comes with a little bit of a fake like tone to it and what this episode does is that it takes that essence of that where you're just not really you're asking, but it, it's more rhetorical than anything. And it's just amplifying that fakeness to be this really uh, creepy, like happiness, uh, happy It's a happiness veneer that's over the, ple- uh, over the, uh, dialogue. That's really kind of unsett- unsettling. And, um, it kind of got on my nerves a little bit, which I'll get to in a second. But first I want to mention that we get a good, uh, we get an idea of, of Lacey's home life and that she lives with her brother. And I guess her brother lives with her. And you can see that he's like, he's not in the game. He's not getting rankings or anything. He's concerned with video games. And, uh, one thing that I did appreciate about it was, uh, about this episode is that the VR gaming in it is pretty much modern tech like it's not like we like the characters in this episode have implants in their in their brains or in their in their eyes that shows an augmented reality in front of them that shows basically the internet is in in their eyeballs and they can easily rate different people and stuff with just the click of a hand and and it's all this interesting technology stuff but then her brother, the main character's brother, is sitting on a couch playing with a VR headset that looks like it just came from PlayStation uh, yesterday. So I like that. I think that I thought that that was kind of a nice way to kind of ground it in a pseudo modern reality. but uh, Or at least give us the impression that it's somewhat modern day, if not maybe just a, a, an alternate reality where uh, social media reigns supreme. So going back to those uh, fake pleasantries that I was talking about, there's an emphasis on the ratings as they exchange their greetings and and they have their little interactions like um, characters who are in the service industry and are, are helping, helping the customers and helping Lacey in particular. They're very much, there's this kind of disturbing like way that they exchange their pleasantries. They're grinning like idiots and they are, completely phoning in this fake politeness and happiness and they're they're louding each other up with like really just phony compliments just to get ratings and it's really it like i said it's really kind of disturbing it's this weird alternate reality it's it doesn't feel real and i think that's the point and it's and it's orchestrated or it's completed really well is that it's just this really weird place that we're kind of not close to at this point in time in our, in our modern day, but it's, it's pretty close. Like it's, this is stuff that's, it's, it handles, it does what Black Mirror does well is it takes something that's our modern day and and expands upon it in in a way that is frankly terrifying. So we see all of these like robots essentially walking around, greeting each other, complimenting their kids that they couldn't care less about. I'm sure it's just, it's weird. And the whole time you're just seeing them click the ratings at each other. And when she gets, when Lacey gets her uh, coffee and cookie, the, the guy offers her a free cookie and then at the end of their exchange, um, I think the, I think the server rates her and it's like very much an exaggerated or, uh, yeah, exaggerated, like swipe up to her. Um, and it's kind of like an anticipation of one in return. And it's, it's really like that kind of thing is just really interesting to me. And it's, uh, it really helped sell the, the world, uh, and then immediately after that we get some good um even more even more world building and character stuff with uh Lacey as she sits down at her table at, at a table alone and she has her she has her drink and she has her cookie and she she just takes a bite out of the cookie and it's very much like she's very much like careful with it and making sure that it's just right. And then she centers it on it and she does what everyone on, not everyone, but what so many people on like Instagram do these days. And she snaps a picture of it and she posts it on her, on her profile. And it's just, it's funny to me because immediately after that, she takes a drink of the, of the drink that she got and she doesn't even like it. And it's just, everything is all for appearances. And it's, it's just kind of disturbing how it's not that far from the truth of today at all. Like if you had a rating system on Instagram that could get you into a better living situation, hell yeah, you'd accept a free cookie and, and take a picture of it to make people think that you have a, a that you're happy and not dead inside. <laughs> um, and then we get a good in, introduction to uh, or a good look at the augmented reality that's implanted in their eyes. And it comes when she, when Lacey is in the elevator, uh, with the, with that one miserable woman whose name escapes me right now, but they're both kind of like checking up on each other with their eyes. Um, just kind of discreetly like looking at each other's things and looking for small talk to come up with, uh, to break the, break the, not tension, but to make the ride on the elevator less, uh, insufferable. Um, cause God forbid they have an, a normal conversation mm-hmm. and it made me <laughs> like the phoniness that they have with those, with these conversations in this elevator. It's so palpable and it's, I hate those pleasantries and the, the fakeness of it so much, but in a good way, like there's such a, there's such a, uh, veneer of fakeness to the, everything that they say to each other and everything that everyone says to each other in this, in these opening bits of the episode that it's hard to, it's hard to differentiate that from, from, being over the top or or bad acting even like it's hard to differentiate the fakeness from the talent and the craft of the episode and what they're trying to do. Cause what they're trying to do is what they're pulling off really well is having this very off putting series of interactions that are completely empty and hollow and don't have any deeper meaning other than getting ratings for yourself. And that establishes the world and establishes the society really well Um, and it can be off-putting to the viewer because that's not how people should be acting. (laughs) And it's kind of the point of the whole episode. Um, and I should say, I kind of know a little something about, you know, fishing for ratings or, or, or wanting to get the acceptance of everyone, uh, around me because I'm constantly plugging or, or constantly promoting, uh, my podcasts and begging people to go on iTunes to leave a rating and review, which is exactly what this is, essentially. Um, and I know that I know the slight devastation of getting a negative review. It's, it's not pretty. It's not fun. Um, and I can't imagine like it being even more public and tied to me personally on a, on a social network. That's specifically about me because like if I got a negative review on Obsessive Viewer or, or here on Anthology, like it's, they're negatively reviewing the the brand of of the, the product that I'm putting out and not necessarily me, even though with Anthology, I'm by myself. So it's all me all the time. So if you, if you like the podcast, please leave a rating and review. But if you don't, I mean, hopefully you don't, you know, go through the trouble. Um so anyway, so Lacey gets to work and we get even more development of this world and different different ways that this that this society operates and, and different ways that this works. Um it's where it's where the pleasantries kind of shift to somewhat darker. And I I was this was welcome because at this point we see a lot of Lacey interacting with people and doing her phony shtick. But then uh the character Chester comes up with a tray full of like these green smoothies and uh we see that he's a 3.1 and it's it's really interesting because he is desperate and he's trying way too hard. So you have already right out of the gate you have the upper echelon people that are in the in the mid fours or low to low to high fours. Um, who are just exchanging their, their fake pleasant, pleasantries and fake greetings and they're just being really phony to each other, but it's all in service to this rating system. So if you're, if you at least fake, fake politeness to someone of a high rating, they'll throw you a five if you throw them a five and, and what have you. But now we've got Chester who's, who's lower in the rankings. He's a 3.1 or in the ratings. He's a 3.1 and, it changes like it, it, it's really interesting the way that it changes because he's desperate. And like I said, he's trying way too hard to impress people and get people's ratings. And so it's changing from fake politeness to just desperation. And then it also expands that further by introducing workplace politics where Lacey explain or Lacey is explained by her coworker that uh, Chester's significant other broke up with them. And so that's kind of, creates a, a, a rift with the ratings and it's all very uh, kind of disturbing and sad. It's kind of, and it's, and it's applicable today because that's essentially the equivalent of, you know, when, when your friends break up, when you're friends with a couple and they break up, who gets who in the, in the friend divorce essentially, or actually a little literal divorce if they're married, but that's neither here nor there. And so, in this, in this, in this beginning part of this episode, before the titular nosedive, uh, we're just getting a lot of really interesting uh, and different uh, views of, of what the society's like. And the next one we get is Lacey at um, at an open house or, or speaking to a realtor or a leasing agent for this condo that is really interesting to me because. You can see the leasing agent is trying to sell her on this apartment by um, using augmented reality and holograms uh, to sell the apartment and I thought that that was a clever way to introduce salesmanship to this society so this, so the society and the technology isn't just dominated by the social the social networking aspect of it or social media. Um, It still is in this instance, but this is a tool that's used like they're using the social, the social media and the rating system and rankings and everything um, to sell this product. But they're doing it in such a way that it's not like if you live here, you'll, you'll be a, a, what a high rating or whatever they're using their technology to show that they'll have uh, that the residents will have an ideal, and uh, idyllic life in this, in this place. And he even goes so far as to show the uh, hologram on the billboard. And I thought that was a nice touch too. Um, but the rub is that she needs to be a, uh, a 4.5 to to get the apartment. So that's where the kind of plot comes into the episode. And before I move on to the next scene, uh, the leasing agent showing the hologram and showing a man coming into the picture, um, seeing how Lacey is taken with that image and it, it like she looks longingly at it. Um, it just exposes how lonely she is, and I really like that aspect of it. And frankly, I wish that it was played with more throughout throughout the episode. I'll get to my I'll get I'll get into this more more at the end of the review, but I I wish that there was more. Of her being just really lonely, and uh, and sad with her station in life. So much of the episode is her faking this, um, this niceness or faking this this lifestyle that she wants so badly. But it's it comes at the expense of I mean, it comes at the expense of developing her loneliness and and what she truly wants and deserves. Um, I mean, we get that we get that a few times throughout the episode, but it's not anything it isn't substantial enough to where the ending is, uh, justified or earned for me, but I'll get to that later. So Lacey looks at her old friend's feed and everything and sees all the happiness and, um, great life that she has. And she seems very much, uh, jealous of it, not necessarily, well, jealous and, and, uh, envious of it. And, it shows that this is a world where everyone only posts the positive in their lives, uh, because that gets higher ratings. They're not going to be moping and and um, sad over things because that's gonna that's gonna not play well with the audience that they're that they're trying to get the uh, um, attention of. People are rated according to how happy their lives seem, and I think that's a very interesting deconstruction of our social media o- obsessions in the modern day, because. I mean it seems it seems uh similar to how we are today cuz well I know people will post things that are maybe embellishing the the high points or or they'll post things to not gloat but I mean there's like a certain I don't know I'm putting my foot in my mouth but people will post things in a, a lot of social media is is a celebration of the of the of the more positive things in their life in in people's lives, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just this, it's interesting to see it taken in such a direction in this episode that it's just people posting only the happy moments and, and, uh, creating this idea of themselves or this image of themselves just for ratings. And then the world developing, it just keeps coming because you get introduced to Lacey in a meeting with, uh, what's called a, uh, Uh, rep, uh, reputella reputelligent agent, uh, basically a life coach for ratings and increasing ratings. And I found that to be a, a very interesting element to the world. Um, and it even like, it's not just like a, uh, well, go to this and you'll get this or or you'll get rated this high or what, what have you. It goes so far as to show her sphere of influence and it, it, like they take it so seriously. And I thought that was a really uh, interesting element to, to the world and the story. Um, and the connection I made to it is that it seemed similar to like having a personal trainer who's giving you the positive reinforcement to, and, and the guidance to really achieve your goals for your personal image and your self image, uh, which is exactly what this is essentially in this episode. And that's the similarity that I drew. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but immediately after that scene, she's out jogging as she's rating Naomi's stuff to in in order to boost and hopefully get her attention, so that she can get ratings and boost her uh, ratings, so that she can get the apartment. I feel like maybe the, that jump between the uh, life coach and and her jogging. I feel like that supports my. Uh, comparison that it's like having a personal trainer. And then we get the next kind of clue that she's really lonely deep down because she's on a video call with um her her life coach or rep, uh reputelligent agent uh who's really nice to her but as soon as their video session ends she just looks she looks more sad than disappointed that the session is over cause she had one more question. And then he said that he had to go, but she looks more sad because she doesn't have a connection to anyone. Um, she can't, uh, she's lonely and she can't authentically connect to anyone. And then we get a scene at her, uh, at home with her at home making this dish that I'm, I'm don't know what it is. <laughs> Uh, and I can't pronounce it but uh, a dish that she saw on Naomi's feed or her boyfriend's feed um, because she wants she's emulating them she wants to be like them uh, when Naomi calls her and this was so uh, surreal and weird because as I said before the pleasantries and the in the fake politeness kind of it can be unnerving and it can be annoying even. And then you get, and then you get Lacey answering Naomi's call and it is insufferable the way that she screams. And it's just this really fake, like, Oh, we're best friends ever kind of thing. And it's, it is, it is, it's nails on a chalkboard. It is so aggravating. And the whole time you get, um, some good comedy bits with, um, James Norton playing, playing Ryan, uh, Lacey's sister or brother. Wow. Uh, Lacey's brother, who's kind of walking around in the background. And, um, and then, so through this conversation, um, it's really interesting because (laughs) Lacey is kind of not stalking or obsessed or anything, but she's envious of Naomi and she's, she is, she wants to be like Naomi, but the moment that Naomi mentions a speech after she asks her to be her uh, maid of honor, um, the second she mentions the speech, Lacey's immediate question is uh, how big of a crowd there's going to be, what kind of people are going to be there, and I just love moments like that because it exposes it exposes to us the audience something that we already know is that it's a really fake friendship. And it kind of it runs through the rest of the episode and, and the rest of their uh, interactions and it kind of crumbles and gets more uh, gets less and less the veneer slips more and more through each conversation. I thought that that was a really satisfying um, journey for the audience to take with the characters and and their kind of phony friendship thing. And that just that just goes to show that none of the emotion in the episode that's, that's being shown to each other is, uh, feels genuine and it works so well in the episode's favor. And, but the one emotional connection, I guess that Lacey has that's authentic in this world is with Ryan, her brother. And I think that that speaks to me because I have siblings and, uh Ryan and Lacey are siblings themselves so they they can talk to each other like real people and like when she's practicing her her uh, uh maid of honor speech in front of him and sh- he just calls her a sociopath <laughs> and it just opens up this line of dialogue between them um or this line of communication in her life where they can talk honestly to each other or at least he can talk to her honestly because he he is blunt with her. He will, he tells her the truth about her history with Naomi and how Naomi is, uh, was really mean to her and slept with someone that she had a connection with, uh, uh, when they were kids or when they were younger. And, uh, but even then Lacey is so involved with the ratings and the rankings and everything that she's, she's blocking it out or ignoring it. And, and, um, like she won't accept it even from her brother who, who is her, her brother. They, they don't have to worry about the rankings or ratings with them. Uh, they don't need to worry about getting dinged cause they can speak honestly to each other cause they've, they've, they've been a part of each other's lives for their entire lives. Um, but she still blocks it and ignores it. And she does this. Uh, there's a, there's a thing that Bryce Dallas Howard does throughout, throughout the episode where she does this nervous, laugh that she gives out whenever her character is either told something that she knows is true, but she doesn't want to admit it. Or, uh, when she's just general, generally uncomfortable or, uh, or unsure how to best respond to someone to get a good, uh, rating and everything. But she does this nervous laugh. That's part of it is a little bit like nails on the chalkboard to me also, but it's, it's really, um, authentically nervous. If it, Plays like a nervous tick from her, like a tell, um, that exposes her, uh, for what she really is. She's not as practiced at this high level society, um, stick up their ass type of personality. Uh, so she has this nervous laugh that, that kind of shows through her, her facade at times. And I really like that, uh, piece to the character. And, Another thing I like about Ryan and Lacey's dynamic in this episode, and I wish that there was more scenes between them, but what we get is pretty, pretty gold is that he is not as involved with the ratings as she is. He is, he's outside of the system. He's, I mean, he's disheveled somewhat. Um, he doesn't really care. He's just crashing on her, uh, in her loft. And he, you know, he's, he's set. He's, he's satisfied with, his, with himself and his life. Um, But he, he has that line of dialogue where he tells her, he says, I miss the normal you before this obsession when we had conversations, um, comparing yourself to, uh, you're, you're comparing yourself to people who only pretend to be happy. And that's a really, that's a really nice moment and, uh, for him because it's true. Like, like that's exactly what she's doing. She is, uh, pretending to be happy to reach a level of society of people that have uh, are professionally pretending to be happy. And that causes a fight between the two. And that that's kind of the start of her, her nosedive through everything and kind of ushers in a different, um, act of the, of the episode. But I like their fight because it's again, their siblings. This is the one person that we meet where she can actually speak to him. Like, a human being and they can speak to each other like human beings. And you, and you can tell his frustration when he says that she's, um, she's changed. And it's, it's just, I really like that, that dynamic. And again, I wish that there was more scenes with them, but, uh, we got, we got plenty in, in the episode. I just kind of want more. And, and then we get this scene where she's, she's on her way to the, to the wedding. Um, and like, I got to point out the scene in the, in the taxi cab where she's, she gets the call from Naomi. It's after she's just had an argument with her brother. She's, she just got dinged from a lady she actually accident, accidentally bumped into, uh, on her way out. And she also got dinged by, a um, essentially a taxi driver or Uber driver, uh, who she missed the, uh, car because her brother was, her and she were having a fight. And I just, I love and hate how obnoxious she is on the phone with a Naomi, like seeing her in her kitchen screaming at Naomi, like, like that fake friend scream. Um, that's one thing, but having her do that in the, in the back of the taxi, uh, and having the camera focus briefly on, uh, the face of the taxi driver and how visibly annoyed he is with it. Um, like he, like he just looks like he just does not want to deal with this, um, at all, it's, he's kind of like the audience surrogate in that scene because he is, uh, cause I, at least, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to hear her scream into the phone with excitement, with fake excitement, um, anymore. And I really, I really dug that. Um, and then we get the, the scene at the airport where like, this is, I made the, I made, I just recently, um, recorded my episode, uh, reviewing, uh Mr. Beavis, uh in season one of uh The Twilight Zone. And I talk about how in that episode he the character kind of goes through a bad day and I make the comparison to the children's book, uh, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And this is essentially Lacey and the uh terrible, horrible, no good, uh very bad day. Because uh, she gets to the airport and the flight's canceled, so she so she <laughs> This was an aspect of it that I really i i really appreciated this because it shows what happens when customer service and uh when customer service can't service you and what happens in the society when that happens like the the lady the ticket agent she can't she can't she can only be pleasant to to Lacy and Lacey is getting angry and uh, it's just this, it's another, it's another side of the fake, the fakeness of it. Like uh, the ticket agent is clearly like suppressing some pretty like annoyed emotions, but she has this, just this, uh, frankly, this shit eating grin on her face and she's trying to service her and everything. And she's trying to get her to leave. Um And it's just, it's, it's really, it's really enjoyable, uh, to me. And then eventually reaches a point where she has to call security. And then that's even, that's even more out there and crazy because the security guard is, has this, has that same grin. And he is explaining to her the consequences of what she's doing, but it's not out of emotion or anger. And that, and that's kind of another side of it where it's this, society is like the beginning of a like emotion suppressive society uh dystopic future kind of kind of story. Um and that that's fascinating to kind of play with in your head to see how far it would go if it would be like a full on um you know suppressed emotions state um like like Fahrenheit four fifty one. Um but the per on a personal level what I what I dug about these uh, about this scene is that it's Lacy interdu- in interacting with customer service and security which is those are two jobs that I've that I've held like I I was a security guard for 10 years and now I work on in a call center for an insurance company so I just got an I just had a big grin on my face when I watched this this sequence cuz I could appreciate how this interaction played out even in this weird futuristic society um and as far as this uh, i I love how oddly pleasant the security guard and the and the customer service lady is uh are in this in this scene and it's it's really kind of eerie the way that the security guard just stares at her and doesn't break his smile but he he has this weird it's not an authoritative presence or well it is authoritative because he's wearing a freaking helmet and uh tactical gear. But, um, he's, he still has that grin that's supposed to be like this fake, like, oh, everything's pleasant. But he's telling her that I'm going to knock you down one point and put double damage on, on your, uh, on your point system because, and, and you're going to have to leave. And that's really interesting that in an airport where she's being unruly in this society, she isn't detained um, in question for hours, it's just dropping her a complete point in her ratings and then putting a double damage multiplier on her downvotes. Um, I thought that was really a, a funny and interesting, uh, punishment to, to dole out to the character. Um, and really clever too, because a lot of this stuff, I mean, there's, again, I, I mean, I've said this in past bonus episodes about Black Mirror, but this, this show, really goes the distance with, with establishing their worlds in each episode. Like there's so much, I've already talked about so many instances of world building in this, in this episode. And it's nice to see that going into season three, they haven't really skipped a beat with that. And so Lacey has to um, rent a car, but since she has been downgraded so far in her, so so uh far in her uh, ratings she's stuck with an outdated car with like like Russian or, or whatever um, uh, voice control and and navigation screens and everything it's it's really funny it becomes kind of a farce a, a farce um, but I do want to point out that the, that the tech in the car is just it's what I want so bad in, in our, in our, in my lifetime. I want to see, like, I want, I want paths to be displayed in on, on dis, uh, display screens. I want the windshield to be like an uh augmented reality map of, of what I'm doing and where I'm going and obstacles in the distance and stuff. I want that for the future. I really do. I I can't stress enough how badly I want that to be a a, a mainstream or, ubiquitous thing in, in our society. Um, so I love it. And then we get this, fun, uh, another funny moment where uh home improvement in a, in another language pops up on the, on the, uh, display on the screen, um, on the, in the car. And something I thought was kind of interesting about that. And is that that's such, that's such a random poll. Like why home improvement? I, I have no idea why. Um, and honestly, you would think that they would show a clip from something that Netflix has the streaming rights to, uh, currently as of this recording, home improvement is not available on any streaming service. I don't, I don't think, um, but it's, but it's funny and, and, um, I I enjoyed it and it kind of goes to show how outdated the car is and it could even, you could even kind of infer where where the show is time wise, uh, considering us. So, like, this is, this isn't a distant future where, um, social media, like, started out where it is today and then grew into what it is. By seeing home improvement, you kind of get the sense, at least this is what I gathered from it, or this is what I read into it. I don't know if this is, uh, really what they were going for, but you get the sense that this is an alternate world where, Technology was uh, cutting edge at an early time, earlier time. So by the time, you know, home improvement is airing, we get uh, augmented reality screens and um, stuff in, in cars and, and and things, And even though they're outdated. But I don't know. That's a non, that's an irrelevant point regardless, because it doesn't really factor into the story that much at all or at all plain and simple. Um, so we get another, another phone call between Lacey and Naomi. And this is where the facade of politeness really starts to slip. And, uh, when Lacey tells her that, that she's driving and then Naomi like freaks out saying, well, that's nine hours. And Lacey tries to maintain this, that, that fake politeness. And she mentions Mr. Rags, the stuffed animal that uh, that was like the cornerstone of their friendship as kids, and it cuts to Naomi and you see Alice Eve just looking like like reacting like a uh, like like um, a really annoyed reaction, and it's I don't know I, I really I really liked that aspect of it. I like the gradual slipping of of their fake friendship interactions. Um, then we get her at the charging station cause they're, it's a ele- it's an electric car and they can't, she can't drive any farther cause the battery's dying. And this interaction she had with the guy working at the charging station, um, was kind of funny. Um, but also kind of weird. I, I don't know really how to read it. Um, cause as soon as she walks up, it's made clear to us that he's watching porn on earbuds uh, with the earbuds. And I thought that was funny. I mean, I thought it was, I, th- I thought it was funny. I couldn't really connect what the significance of it was, but then, then they, they have their back and forth and she wants an, ad- an adapter cause her charger doesn't fit into their charging stations. Um, and he's, he's like, well, you know, too bad. Uh, I don't have one ask around, which first of all, I was just thinking like, man, it would suck to be stranded in that scenario. Cause it's not like you can, it's not like you can uh, walk down the street to another charging station and fuel up, or maybe you can, I, they're not really clear on how the mechanics of the vehicles work, but I mean, it's not like you can walk to the gas station. It's not like today where you walk to the gas station, get a canister of gas, and then walk to your car and put gas in it to go get it. I'm in that situation. It's kind of a little more complex than that. But after their interaction, the guy gives her two stars. And when she comes up and she first starts, like she's, (laughs) like she's starting to lose her, lose her cool. And then she stops and she's just like, two stars? Really? Um, and then he just says, it wasn't a meaningful encounter. And at first I thought, I really love how some people just don't care. But then I thought, um, because because I love that they don't care because they're happy and or at least content with their place in, in the society and, 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 and in their life. Then on the second viewing, I kind of thought like, well, maybe I misread that line and by meaningful encounter coupled with the fact that he's watching porn at, at work and he doesn't really care or isn't really embarrassed by it. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe that's a misogynistic thing where he's, uh, he he'll rate two stars, but if there's a sexual encounter, like by meaningful encounter, does he mean sexual? Um, and so that's kind of what I got from that. I'm curious to know if anyone listening had a similar reaction to that or some similar thought for that. So she starts hitchhiking and there's one scene that kind of felt a little unnecessary in that she is she's hitchhiking and then there's a car. We get a POV shot from in the car of, of a couple um, who look at her and see that she's a 2.8 at that point, and then the driver says, "Oh no, we can't pick her up. She's a 2.8," and drive off. I feel like there's, I feel like there was a much more subtle way to show that, um, in and in a much better like they didn't need to go through the trouble of actually spelling it out and have, having the character speak that dialogue. I felt that that was just a little too on the nose. And then that kind of continues with her scene with, uh, Cherry Jones when she picks her up as a truck driver and they're in the cab of the truck and they're talking and, like all of it's kind of on the nose uh, to an extent. It's like they're, they're kind of talking abstractly or, or they're talking directly about their society and, and the rating system and everything. And uh, like, it's okay. It's, it's fine. It's, it's not, there's not like anything. The writing isn't anything to really write home about in that, but it's, but it isn't terrible. It isn't bad. It's just, it's just on the nose. It's just direct. Um, but the story about Cherry Jones's husband's cancer and how he was denied treatment um uh because of his rating is like that that's a really interesting um angle to play with it. Um and kind of shows a little more about what um about what kind of what kind of world this really is. Like like people can be uh want to be on different class, but there's a discrimination thing up to it that, uh, you know, there's more priority given to people of higher ratings because, uh, the implication is that they're valuable and more, their lives are more valuable than people with slightly lower ratings. And I, I like that. I, I, I like that angle too. And, um, just the idea of her husband being denied treatment, uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of in the show scrubs, they would always do this or not always, but they would, um, the, uh, head of medicine would always, uh, kind of ask if patients had insurance and there would be a priority to prioritize patients with insurance rather than people that were uninsured. And it just reminded me of that. And that's, I mean, that's something that presumably happens today. I don't know if that's, I don't know if scrubs is accurate, but, um, I don't want to think it is cause that's really depressing. Um, but there is an, there is an, Analog to today, and is what I'm getting at here. And Lacey's justification for for uh, playing the numbers game um, is really kind of interesting because this is another time where her shields are coming down. She's she's being more honest and uh, she she admits that she has to play the numbers game because she doesn't have that life that Cherry Jones's character had. She doesn't have a husband or she doesn't have what she wants in life. Uh, So she doesn't have anything that can be torn down. So uh, for the time being, she needs to play the numbers game. And she says that's how the world works. And when she says that, or or when she's she's going on her uh, spiel, she says that Cherry Jones is old and doesn't understand. And then there's a moment where she panics a little and then takes that sentence back. And I thought that was really interesting because it's – it's a panic. It's a small panic out of fear of downvotes and it's kind of a reflex thing. And I, I thought that was an interesting thing to, uh, uh, to, uh, have in that scene. And so, so the scene, the sequence with Cherry Jones kind of, uh, uh, comes to an end and I kind of felt like that scene could have been a little more meaningful and a little more, um, rich uh, dialogue-wise, I thought it was—I thought it was a really good scene and and really important to the story, of course. But I don't know, something about it just felt like I said it was a little on the nose and a little uh, straightforward for my liking. Then the Sea of Tr- Tranquility thing happens, where she pretends to be a fan of a sci-fi show to get to a convention. It's all kind of um, convenient that she that she would just happen to overhear that they're going there, but. It's part of her phoniness and, and she's conning her way to get to get to a convention. It's it's a little bit of comedy, uh, com, uh, comic relief in the episode, kind of late in the episode. And more importantly, we get her final phone call with Naomi where Naomi dumps her from the wedding because she sees how low uh, Lacey's rating has fallen. And in that phone call, I, I, it's it's the climax of their scenes together because it reveals that Naomi has been um, wanting her at the weddings strictly for strategy purposes and for ranking purposes. And she's run simulations with her own uh, uh, reputeligent agent. And, and it's just, it's really, uh, it's really uh, a blow to uh, it's a blow to the ego for, for, Lacey, but it's also on our part, it's incredibly expected. Like that's, it's kind of obvious from the outset that Al character, character, uh, that Naomi doesn't care about Lacey. Um, but at this point I like how the gloves kind of come off and I like how honest they are with each other. Like when Lacey tells her that, or when she reacts to her and says, so it was just about numbers for you. And then immediately Naomi calls her out on it and, uh, and says, uh, says that, says that she was in it just to get her rank, her rating up higher and everything. And, um, I like the, the back and forth there. It's because they're both, they're both not practicing good, uh, good behavior. They're both kind of, kind of, uh, crappy people, but I just like that they're, they're kind of open about it. Um, however, Naomi's side of it, and I think this might be just an Alice Eve thing. And I like her as an actress. I really do. But I feel like some of her moments in that scene, like at the end, when she says, uh, when she says, don't come or whatever, or she threatens her, uh, or she uses a tone that like demanding that she doesn't come uh, to the wedding, um, that the way that it's read, the way that it's done, it just seemed a little over dramatic for me. And I thought that it was kind of, kind of an odd choice. It, it kind of didn't really work for me. Um, so we're kind of getting toward the end of the episode and after she leaves the, uh, after, after the tranquility, sea of tranquility cosplayers dump her from the RV, um, there is a track like, okay, so I, I love the music in this episode and I'm so happy that this, that the score for this episode has been released. It's available. I believe it's available on iTunes as well, but I bought it on Amazon music and it's by Max Richter. It's it's black mirror, nosedive score. Um, but when she's dumped off of the RV, I, I just love the track that plays during that this sequence where she's kind of making her last, taking her last leg of the journey, uh, to the wedding in that like the, like the track, uh, the music, the, the track that plays is called The Journey, Not the Destination. And what I love about it is it's it's kind of a repetition of, or it's kind of repeating some of the themes that played through some of the other tracks through, throughout the episode, but it's, it's more uh, energetic. I, I don't know music that well, so forgive me if this is just completely off-base, but it's more energetic and uh, fast-paced. But the uh, fast-paced but the but the best part about it is that it incorporates the sound effect of the downvote in the episode that we've been hearing for the last 45 minutes, and it incorporates that into the track. And I think that that's just perfect. It's, it's really great. I, I love it. Um, I, re- I really do. That's my favorite track on the on the uh, album. And I, I wish that more episodes of um, Black Mirror had, you know, their scores available because it's there's some good music and good con, uh, composers in it. But maybe someday. So uh, she makes her way to the wedding and, and the episode kind of leads to kind of a pretty expected ending. Um, but it kind of subverts that expectation. So it's both expected and, it, and it's subversive in that... I thought that she was immediately going to launch into a speech about how backwards the world is and how everyone is under control by the, by the rankings. And they're, they're controlled by their, uh, they're putting up a facade for, for all of the social media rankings and stuff like that. But it's a more human reaction than that. It's a more human sequence of events because Lacey through all of this still clings to the hope of getting her rankings up And it's really sad and pathetic and she can see how it's affecting her. And she like, people are start downvoting her as she's stumbling through this really, uh, this really empty now speech that she's prepared. And it's, it's effective because we've seen, we've seen two instances where she's practicing, or I think three instances at this part, actually, um, three instances where she's rehearsing this, this, um, the speech. And now it's just, now she's in the moment, but the, the mood has shifted so severely from what she intended. And she's kind of still clinging to that hope, to that hope that she can get, that she can get those, that she can get those ratings and everything will be fine. It's really, like I said, it's sad and pathetic. And then there's a turn toward potential violence that's kind of uh, unexpected and a nice touch. But uh, before I get to that, actually, the speech kind of turns a little bit into a, a burn against Naomi um, just for a second. And then she starts grasping again for ratings and, and she's rehearsing the, the speech she prepared. And I think that that's a really nice touch because the expect, the expectation on the viewer is that she is going to go into this, go into this outburst and this monologue about how, Oh, Naomi is just such a fake person and everyone's like, verbally demolishing this entire like culture of, of high fours um, and high rated individuals, but she doesn't because it's not about that. This is about her mental breakdown and she goes, she keeps going back and forth because she doesn't understand or she doesn't know how to get out of it. She's gotten her herself into a situation that she can't really get out of. And I think that that was a really nice, a really clever way to play that this ending. And then when I say it, um it takes- takes a turn toward violence when she grabs the knife and she kind of lunges it at people to keep them away from her but it's kind of the end of her breakdown is that she threatens to chop off the head of the stuffed animal and it's just again really sad and pathetic and a little crazy and uh i really I really enjoyed uh that aspect of it and then of course she's dragged away and there's this kind of weird scene where she's where she's ta- she's yelling at Naomi saying that uh, she's envied her she's looked up to her and everything and um she's always tried to live her life like her and everything and it's it's kind of just it's kind of thrown in there it doesn't seem to really fit with the with the scene that much it kind of felt more like it was uh expected than anything i i guess um so we end the we end the episode with her in a cell uh she's had her implants in her, in her eyes, uh, taken out for, so she, so she doesn't have access to her social media anymore. And I think that's that end scene with her talking to the man in the opposite cell. Um, I don't think it was impactful as I think it was conceived to be. Um, like the scene with Cherry Jones, it's a little on the nose, I guess, just, just a little bit, not as much as Cherry Jones scene, but it's just kind of like their dialogue is a little on the surface a little bit. Like they're both free of, they're both free to talk to each other like um, and, and insult each other. And that's cute. And that's a good way to show that they're, that they're kind of on the same wavelength the same wavelength and that they could strike up a relationship when they get out. But I I don't know. It's like, it's a nice sentiment in the context of the story, but it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a great, like wow ending. It doesn't feel like it, it really reaches the, the impact that it, that it intends to. I don't, I, per. I don't really know how it could be better though. So I don't, I don't know how to fix it, but it just, it felt like, uh, okay. Cool. That's that's neat. Um good for her. Um I do love the dialogue though. The the dialogue is hilarious. Uh she has one one moment where she tells him that he looks like an alcoholic former weatherman that I freaking loved. I thought that was really clever and, and fun. Um so even though I kind of have not issue but I kind of just I didn't really latch on to that ending scene. Um I still like that she found someone and that was kind of a runner through the through the whole story and it I mean it paid off it paid off reasonably well uh in that respect. So my closing thoughts on this episode are that uh, as a Netflix original series Black Mirror's style has changed a little. Um it looks a lot more polished and expensive. Uh it's got that Netflix money and this episode Specifically, is a pretty worthy premiere episode. Um, it's got what the strongest Black Mirror episodes have—a near future presence or uh, premise that takes technology we're used to and expands upon it into something more ubiquitous and, and bigger than than we could imagine at this time. And it kind of makes it more of a controlling aspect of a society, and, and like some other episodes. Um, the episode has its faults, though. It's it it falters a little bit here and there as a story, as a story, it doesn't really come together the way I would have liked it to. Um, it leads to Lacey and Jill meeting someone, but I don't think the episode really focused on her loneliness enough to really sell that ending for me. And that's, that's kind of a bummer, but I get what they were doing and I respect it. Um, so overall I think that it was a good episode and it left me thinking that the season had a lot of promise going forward. Um, whether or not it's, delivered? We'll have to find out next time um, or in the coming weeks as I review each episode of Black Mirror Season 3. Okay, so that does it for my review of Nosedive. But before I go, I want to mention that uh, Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones did an AMA on Reddit Uh, after the third season premiered and I kind of want to go through a little bit of the answers that they did. I'll be doing this throughout the rest of my bonus reviews, um, as the answers I give or answers they give, um, pertain to the episode that I'm discussing. So first I just want to mention that, uh, someone, someone in the AMA asked about the connection between nosedive and communities episode app development and condiments, uh, season five, episode eight. Which, if you like this episode, I I really highly recommend checking that out. Community is available on Hulu right now. Um, and the question was, did you take any inspiration from the episode, or did you and Dan Harmon both arrive at the same concept from similar inspirations? And Charlie Brooker's uh, response was, I haven't seen that episode. No, honestly, though a few people have mentioned it subsequently. The original idea for Nosedive was knocking around for a while, though in somewhat different form, more as a sort of Brewster's Millions tale. Uh, was a bit worried when someone tried to launch people during our production, though it might be marketing, thought it might be marketing for a comedy show or something. Uh, so that was, that was a good answer for, for that. Um, and, <laughs> and I love what user, um, let's see. User, uh, Casey masterpiece, uh, replied to that and said, here's pretty much all you need to know from the community episode. Fives have lives. Fours have chores. Three have threes have fleas. Twos have blues and ones don't get a rhyme because they're garbage. Uh, so I, uh, any chance to hear Jim Rash's voice in my head, repeating lines that he said on community is a treat for me. So I appreciated that comment. Um, Another question in the AMA, and I'll, I'll go through these. These are more abstract. These, I don't think there are any others regarding Nosedive specifically, but these are about past episodes. So someone asked, which episode of Black Mirror do you think the world will look most like in 25 years? And their response was, 15 million merits, except the screens will be holographic and will piss 3D emojis into your brain while you sleep. But essentially, that cubicle living nightmare interspersed with talent, uh, contests and targeted ads, which, uh, is a bleak, uh, <laughs> bleak perspective, but I believe it. And let's see, there was talk about a, uh, an Easter egg that hasn't yet been uncovered yet in, uh, one of the season one or season two episodes. Uh, Charlie Brooker in the comments, Uh, In the AMA, he, he referenced it that no one's found it yet. So someone replied and said, I think I got it when the policewoman goes to Potter's cell in White Christmas there's a white bear logo on uh, the cell plate suggesting Potter could get sentenced to white bear. And their response was bingo. Yes, that's the one. In fact, the white bear logo was plastered all over the place in that episode on the cops paperwork and stuff like that. But I don't think any of that was visible in the final cut apart from that one on the cell door. Uh, You win some biscuits and shoes, (laughs) Uh, which this AMA was great. Uh, Like they have really great responses. Uh, to things. They seem like such cool, uh, fun people. And I got two more and then I'll let you guys go for the week. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. And uh, one of the kind of general questions was, uh, was there ever any concept slash story that you passed on or didn't follow through with because it was too depressing? And uh, they said, in an early draft of White Christmas, Una Chaplin's character Greta had a kid there was a scene in which Cookie Greta saw real Greta reading a story to her son and then realized they'd, uh, realized she'd never hold or truly be with her kid again. But it was so totally bleak, it overpowered everything else. So we got rid of the kid. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, the rest of the comment says, uh, he, he says, she was called Greta because there were two of her and Greta minds think alike. Which makes me think that Charlie Brooker might be my spirit animal because I freaking love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really fascinating that they almost gave this character a child, which is really depressing. Like that would have, yeah, that would have gone into just bleakness overdrive for me. Um, it probably would have detracted from the rest of the episode. Maybe if they had an episode that was just about the cookies and stuff, that could been that could have been a more interesting dynamic to play with in that area. But man, that would, that would have been, that would have been really bleak. Okay. So final question, uh, for this week on here, it says, uh, white Christmas is an honest to goodness screenwriting course on its own. The plot weaving and structuring blew me away. Is there a way you structure your episodes before you write them? Or do you sometimes just have an idea and start without, start writing without knowing where it's going and realize you finished writing something incredible. And, uh, his response was that sickening that sickeningly kind of you white Christmas was three loose ideas I'd had knocking around tied together with a bit of tinsel. I was quite surprised that the final script made sense. Annabelle was just point has Annabelle has just pointed out that actually there were weeks and weeks of debate over the framing device. It was very satisfying to come up with a framing device built from the individual strands. So that's really interesting to hear um, that the that white Christmas wasn't Conceived as from beginning to end as the Christmas special. It was kind of a, a putting together different ideas that he had. That was, that's really interesting. So I encourage everyone to go check out the AMA on Reddit. I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode and for the episodes going forward for the bonus episodes of Black Mirror, reviewing Black Mirror. But, uh, that does it for this week on, um, Anthology. My, my bonus reviews at least I'm still I'm coming up on the end of season one of the twilight zone. And, um, if you listen to those main episodes, uh, make sure you send me an email letting me know your favorite, least favorite, um, moments, episodes, twist endings, stuff like that. Um, from season one of the twilight zone, cause I'm going to compile it into a season one review episode. Um, when I, when I finish it and yeah, uh, that's about it for this week, and this has been kind of a long one. I'm kind of curious if the rest of the bonus episodes for Black Mirror are going to be longer, too, because I kind of have a lot to say about a lot of this stuff because it's all really fresh in my mind. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed, and, uh, you know, rate me five stars. Be be uh, be like the people in Nosedive and give me a five-star rating, please. Um, having said all that, thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time. Listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more episodes at AnthologyPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. The more reviews I get, the higher the show will be ranked in iTunes search results, making it easier for people to discover it and grow the podcast. Of course, you can always email me your thoughts and feelings about the show to Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also tweet me at ObsessiveViewer, like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AnthologyPod, or you can call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099 for a chance to have it played on the show. If you like what you've heard here, I urge you to check out The Obsessive Viewer a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friends, Mike and Tiny. Also check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com, where I write movie reviews, TV reviews, and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. If you want even more obsessive content in your life, subscribe to the Obsessive Viewer subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer, and check out obsessivebookner.com our sister site for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious check out my friend Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.